the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Listen, it's important for each of us to understand that one of the strategies of Satan is to use cults and false religious systems to lure immature, spiritually unstable Christians into their organizations. That's what the cults always do. That's Satan's strategy. In his commentary on Ephesians, Pastor Warren Wearsby writes this. He says, there are religious quacks waiting to kidnap God's children and get them into their false cults, but the maturing believer recognizes false doctrine and stays clear of it. The cultists do not try to win lost souls to Christ. They don't establish rescue missions in the slum areas of our cities because they have no good news for the man on Skid Row. Instead, these false teachers try to capture immature Christians. And for this reason, and this is an astounding statement I'm about to read. He says, for this reason, most of the membership of the false cults comes from local churches, particularly churches that do not feed their people the word of God. makes a church, a body of believers, mature? That is what our teacher, Pastor Steve Kreloff, has been teaching us. Today on Verse by Verse, we will look at a fourth mark of a mature church, which is the spiritual stability of church members. Spiritually stable people have not only been taught the Word of God, they've applied it and they live it. The great teaching you hear on Verse by Verse is brought to us by the pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Steve Kreloff has been faithful in teaching God's Word here on Verse by Verse. As we head into the final session on this series, let me encourage you to not let anything distract you from today's lesson. Now here's Pastor Steve. The fourth mark of a healthy church, which we spent our time looking at the last time we studied these verses, is that a healthy church is characterized by spiritual stability in its members. Verse 14 says this, As a result... We are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Now the point of this verse is to say that as believers in Christ, we are not to be like little children. We are not to be like small children, precious though they may be. We are not to be like them in the sense that they are gullible and extremely undiscerning. A child will believe pretty much everything and anything that an adult tells them. Because if we are like this, then Paul says we will be spiritually unstable, up and down, vacillating, wavering, tossed about by every new theological fad that comes along. Therefore, a mark of a church that is internally strong, that is internally healthy, is that its members are characterized by settled convictions. They know what they believe. 
concerning the truths of Scripture, they're settled on these things, so they aren't constantly changing their theological beliefs. This book comes along, and they read it, and they gravitate there. This speaker they hear, and they gravitate to what he says, always fluctuating, always up and down, always changing. No. Listen, it's important for each of us to understand that one of the strategies of Satan is to use cults and false religious systems to lure immature, spiritually unstable Christians into their organizations. That's what the cults always do. That's Satan's strategy. In his commentary on Ephesians, Pastor Warren Wearsby writes this. He says, there are religious quacks waiting to kidnap God's children and get them into their false cults, but the maturing believer recognizes false doctrine and stays clear of it. The cultists do not try to win lost souls to Christ. They don't establish rescue missions in the slum areas of our cities because they have no good news for the man on Skid Row. Instead, these false teachers try to capture immature Christians. And for this reason, and this is an astounding statement I'm about to read. He says, for this reason, most of the membership of the false cults comes from local churches, particularly churches that do not feed their people the word of God. Now, you know what, as I was thinking about this, I realized that in the early days of my ministry, I saw this very thing. I started out here at Lakeside as the minister of evangelism. We had a very large and active evangelism program in which we would go out and visit people who had visited Lakeside, who would visit them in their homes and share the gospel with them. And we actually did see fruit. We actually, in those days, I'm talking about many years ago, we saw a number of people who professed to believe in Christ. And many of those, I'm sure, were very genuine and they were very real conversions. But here's inevitably what would happen. Not every time, but enough time that I caught on and I thought, this is the devil's strategy because this is a pattern. We would lead someone to faith in Christ. They'd pray with us in their home. They'd pray to receive Christ. And then almost immediately, this new Christian would have a relative or a friend, a family member who would be so thrilled about this because now they would try to lure them into their false religious system. They'd come out of the woodwork and say, I'm so thrilled to hear that you're coming to my church. And it was usually a terrible church, often a false religion or a cult. Now, this friend, this relative, this family member, they were not interested in introducing them to Christ because, frankly, they couldn't. They weren't saved to begin with. But they were sure interested in getting this new creature, this brand new believer in Christ to join their false system. Listen, as I told you, I saw that so many times that I realized this is not coincidental. This is a pattern. This is the devil's strategy. And you know what? He was often very successful. We would lead them to Christ and their friend would lead them into a false cult. And they would happily join some very strange, quacky religious group. Well, Paul is telling us that a healthy church is not made up of immature Christians who fall prey to teaching like this, who fall prey to false teaching. It's made up of stable believers who know the truth and they continue in the truth. He's talking about the truth of the gospel. But nonetheless, all of us, no matter how mature you are, no matter how many years you've been saved, we are all susceptible, all vulnerable to Satan tempting us with demonic false teaching and teachers whose goal is to lead Christians away from the truth, astray from the truth. And if you think that this could never happen to you, that you're too mature, that you've been around too many years, that you would never fall prey, couldn't possibly fall prey to a cult or a false religion, then really you don't know how weak you are. You think you're stronger than you really are. And you certainly don't realize how powerful Satan really is. He can confuse you. He can cause you to have doubts. 
They can tempt you on that. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, and it's a warning. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, stand spiritually, stand strong, take heed that he does not fall. So if you think it can't happen to you, Paul says take heed because it can. So in light of the fact that there are so many Christians who are gullible and easily deceived by false teachers, what can you do? What can you do to protect yourself from Satan's attempts to pull you into error and pull you from the truth? What can an individual Christian do? What can a church do? Well, in the next verse in chapter 4, Paul gives us the remedy. The remedy to so many spiritually unstable Christians. This is the cure to spiritual instability. He does this by giving us a fifth and final mark of a healthy church. He tells us that a healthy church is marked by an atmosphere of truth and love. An atmosphere of truth and love. Verse 15. He said, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. Now, having just spoken in verse 14 about his desire that we not be like little children who are up and down, led astray easily into error, Paul notices, Paul now in this verse, he tells us the remedy for this by telling us that we are to grow up in all aspects, unto him who is the head, even Christ. In other words, he's telling us that the way to grow spiritually is this. And when he says to grow up, he means to become like Jesus in all aspects of our character. That's what it means to grow spiritually. It means to become more Christ-like in attitudes, and in heart, in spirit, in compassion, in holiness, in righteousness, in love. It's to become more and more like Christ. So how are we to grow up? to be Christ-like? How are we to mature into stable Christians so we don't vacillate in our doctrine or in our behavior? Paul says it's by speaking the truth in love. He says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, I want you to notice the fact that Paul puts the word but at the beginning of this verse, it tells us that this is to be understood as a contrast with verse 14. We are no longer to be like children, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up to be like Christ. So the question is this, what does the apostle mean by this expression, speaking the truth in love? And you may think, well, of course, it's so obvious. It's really not that obvious, and I'll tell you why. This is not that easy a statement to interpret. And the reason for this is because the word speaking, though we translate it that way in our English Bibles, that word speaking is not actually in the Greek text. Now, the word that Paul uses certainly involves speaking. So that's actually a very good translation, but it doesn't tell the whole picture. Paul uses a certain word that involves speaking, but it's actually broader than just verbally communicating. See, this word actually means to be truthful. It means to hold to the truth. It also means to be living the truth, doing the truth. In other words, the thought here is that our entire behavior is to be characterized by truth. Not just our speech, but everything about us. In fact, there are a number of Bible teachers, very fine Bible teachers, who would suggest that the best translation of this particular word, if the English language allowed it, would be truthing it. Truthing it. I don't think there's really a word, truthing it, but that captures the essence, truthing it, so that truthfulness should characterize everything about us from our speech to our conduct. However, there is only one other time in the New Testament when the Apostle Paul uses this particular word 
And in doing so, he gives us insight as to what he means by this, because the only other time Paul uses this is in Galatians 4.16, and there it does have to do with verbally speaking. So that's a very integral part of this. Paul is talking about someone communicating Christ and the gospel. Here's what Galatians 4.16 says. The only other time this precise word is used. He says, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth by speaking the truth to you. So in light of the fact that this is the only other time this word, same word, same expression is used besides Ephesians 4, used in reference to verbally proclaiming the truth. That's what Paul was talking about. Then it only makes sense that the apostle, when he tells the Ephesians that they are to speak the truth in love, that it involves more than simply living the truth, but includes speaking as well. So I want you to know That's a long way to say this. He means everything that's truthful. Speaking, living, so forth. What Paul is actually teaching us by these words, speaking the truth in love, is this, that a healthy church is a church where people grow spiritually because in that church, the truth is proclaimed as well as lived out by the congregation. I think that is an accurate view of what the apostle means here. He means that it's a church where the truth is taught, people speak the truth, the pulpit speaks the truth, other Bible teachers speak the truth, but the congregation lives out the truth. And of course, the truth that Paul is referring to is none other than Scripture. It's the Word of God. Jesus said to the Father in John 17, Thy Word is what? Truth. It is truth. And the Spirit of God who guided the apostles and the prophets so that they wrote down divine revelation. One of the names of the Spirit of God is the Spirit of Truth. So what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 4 is that a mature church is a church that knows the truths of Scripture, believes the truths of Scripture, and walks in the truths of Scripture. It's a church where the entire congregation is committed to the truth. The atmosphere, the environment, the very breath of the church breathes truth. It's biblical truth. The church is about biblical truth. The truths of the word permeate everything. They saturate everywhere from the preaching and the pulpit to the people and how they speak, how they behave. Everything is saturated by truth. Listen, that's why people grow in an environment like this. They grow spiritually in an atmosphere like this. Why? Because it is only by the truths of the word of God that spiritual maturity takes place. See, the reason why Christians stay immature and are so gullible to the error of false teachers is because, frankly, they don't know the Bible. They don't know the truth. So that when they hear error, they don't have any spiritual discernment. They don't have spiritual discernment from their understanding of Scripture to reject it. That's why they're gullible. And many are in churches that while they may have a doctrinal statement that says they believe the truth, it's far removed from either the pulpit, Sunday school classes, or the way people live. But you put a Christian in a church atmosphere where truth is taught and lived out, you watch, they will start to grow. They'll start to grow, and they will soon be able to detect error and resist false teaching. And folks, that's the point that Paul is making here. Don't be like children who don't know the truth so that when they hear error, they don't know how to defend themselves but speak the truth in love, and then they'll grow. So let's focus on this, because there's more here. It's not only truth that helps us to grow spiritually and protects us from the enemy. It starts there, 
But I want you to look again at verse 15. I want you to notice that Paul says, speaking the truth in love. In love, we are to grow up. This is critical. The apostle says it's not enough to speak and practice the truth. It also has to be done in love. And this is absolutely critical that we not overlook this. And I'll tell you why. Because there are some churches, orthodox churches, sound theological churches, churches who hold to the truth, but you know what? They are cold and they are hard and they are legalistic and they are self-righteous. And they're militant. As Martin Lloyd-Jones put it, he said, churches like that give the impression that their one concern is to prove that they are right and everyone else is wrong. You have probably been in churches like that. There are plenty of them. You see, if we're not careful as a local church, we can become just like that. There's an arrogance, a militant spirit in holding to the truth. Nobody grows in an environment like that. You get hard in an environment like that. You get self-righteous. You start to think you're the only one who's got it together. Nobody else is right but me. On the other hand, there are some churches who are so concerned about exhibiting brotherly love that they compromise the truth to do it. That's equally wrong. Listen, there's a balance. And this is so very practical, this balance. Because to speak the truth in love is to make sure that if we hear someone in our congregation, you hear someone in our congregation who's not living up to the truth, then you are to go to them and you are to not simply confront them, you are to lovingly encourage them to get their life in order. This is the spirit of Galatians 6.1, which says this, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. See, we always have to check our motives. Always have to check our heart, our motives, when we speak to a fellow believer about either a sin issue in their own life or else a theological disagreement. We have to always ask ourselves a question like this. Do I want to see this person straight so that they will see how right I am? Or is my concern that this dear brother, this dear sister might see the truth and grow by it? Now, if that convicts you, then repent. Because there are so many Christians who have that attitude. Let me set you straight so that you'll know what I know. That's not speaking the truth in love. That's not caring about them. That's just being brutal with the truth. I'm going to dump on you so that you know how wrong you are and how right I am. That's not what Paul teaches, speaking the truth in love. See, growth is really the whole point of this. I go back to what Paul was saying, creating a church atmosphere where people can grow, where the body can be built up. And that requires that the truth be spoken and lived out in love. So what Paul is teaching, what we want to be at Lakeside as a church that preaches and lives out the truths of Scripture in a spirit of love and kindness that genuinely cares about people. That's the kind of church we want to be. Why? Because that's the kind of church Christ wants us to be. That's his desire for the church. A church where people can grow and mature in Christ and be protected from error and false teaching. And we must never, ever lose sight of the goal, which is spiritual growth, becoming more and more like Christ. Paul said this in verse 12. He said it in verse 13. He said it in verse 15. All about edifying, all about spiritual growth. But as the apostle concludes his thought about the growth of the body, he has something very important to say that relates to this. Verse 16, he says, From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together 
by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Once again, talking about building up the church in love. Now, the point of this verse is not to give us a lesson on the human anatomy, but simply to teach us that as head of the church, Jesus Christ is the one who holds the church together, every part of it. He supplies everything we need as a church and every true local church. He supplies everything they need, everything we need for spiritual growth. So what has he supplied for our growth? What has he supplied this church for growth? Well, what is he talking about? Everything Paul's just taught. Everything. He supplies the gifted men to teach the body. The men who lead us here are gifted and sovereignly put here by God himself. He supplies the spiritual gifts that we possess to minister effectively. You're not by accident in this local church. You're here because God has moved you here, ordained you to be here, and he has gifted you to give to this body what they need through your ministry. He supplies every member of his body so that they fit in just at the right place. As I said, you're not here by accident. You're a member of this body. He's brought you here under his sovereign directing in just the right place. And then he gives us all the energy to function properly so that the members of his body grow. We're not in this on our own. He gives us the energy. Listen, Paul is saying that the body of Christ grows when each member serves him by using their spiritual gifts properly. And all of that power and all of that energy to do this comes from Christ himself, who is the head, the head of the church. Listen, don't ever think that Lakeside or any other local church is sustained by anything but the Lord himself. It's not by programs. It's not by budget. It's not by organizational stuff. Christ is the head of the church, and he's the one who causes the church to grow spiritually. It's his responsibility to build his church, not ours. Our responsibility is to what? It's to equip and to be equipped. It's to equip and be equipped to minister to others. My responsibility, along with the other elders and teachers, are to equip you. Your responsibility is to receive the word of God, grow in Christ, and then minister your gifts. That's what brings maturity. And that's what matures us into a healthy, coordinated body of believers. Now, if you're not in the body of Christ, that means you're lost. You don't know Christ. You need to know him. You need to call upon him for salvation. Then he places you in the body. And this will all make sense to you at that point. But trust Christ. If you never have, we have sung about his glory. We have sung about the cross today. Make sure you know Christ. If you do, you're part of this church. Function. Function. Grow. Speak the truth in love. Ask the Lord to check your heart, to check your motives. When you speak to someone, don't be hard-hearted about the truth. Don't be just passionate about the truth so that you forget that you're ministering to people. Speak the truth, but do it in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this precious passage of Scripture, Lord, and especially verse 15. Lord, sometimes I am so deficient on this, and I realize that's true of others, that we may hold to the truth and be passionate about the truth to the point where we don't even realize that we're harsh and we're cold and we're orthodox, but we have forgotten to love people. Lord, help us to have that balance. Help us to not be loving and to neglect the truth, but to do both and to realize that we minister to the truth to others. In love. And Lord, I pray that you help us to be a church that embraces the truth in every aspect, from the pulpit to the pews to the way we deal with one another, the way we carry on things here, the way we speak, our attitudes, 
all things involved. We pray that we might be a church where people can come here and can grow and learn and become more and more like Jesus. Lord, we pray you'll take these truths and we pray you'll apply it to our lives. Transform our thinking, which transforms our behavior. We also pray for any who are hearing the word tonight, these words, that you might open their hearts so that they might come to know you as Lord and Savior. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciated how Pastor Steve Kreloff wrapped up this series on Verse by Verse. He mentioned that churches don't grow into maturity because they have great programs or a big budget. The church is called the body of Christ for a reason. He is the head of the church. It is His. It is Christ's responsibility to grow His church. It's our responsibility to embrace the truth of the Bible and to live it. Today was the final lesson in our series, Unity and Spiritual Growth. Perhaps you are like me and wish that this series could just keep going. However, we have another series to dive into next time. I would like to direct you, though, to versebyverseradio.org, where we not only have all these past lessons in our archives, but there are other series as well. And let me also mention the podcast link, where you can subscribe to the Verse by Verse podcast. So, what do we have coming up on our next Verse by Verse program? I could tell you, but I'd rather say, tune in and find out. See you then. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.